Well, I'm sold. <laughs> is it really that easy? Success in life? Uh, Take the Stairs is a book written by New York Times best-selling author Rory Vaden. So Vaden is, a, a, as you can tell, a self-help guru who points out that we are naturally programmed in life to look for shortcuts. He says we have what he calls escalator mentalities uh, that lead us to choose what is convenient and easy over what is difficult, and as a result, we miss out on lots of growth opportunities. The truly successful people, argues the author, they have created patterns in their lives which compel them to take the stairs, not the escalator. So, if you want to be successful, like Rory Vaden, uh, then for only $29.99, you can buy his book and learn his seven principles to success. And if you order within the next 24 hours, you can get Rory's second best-selling book, Procrastinate on Purpose. <laughs> Five permissions to multiply your time. That actually sounds kind of interesting to me. So I kid, but the reality is that Rory Vaden is on to something. When given a choice in life uh, to take the stairs or the escalator, more often than not, human beings... We are, in fact, pre-programmed to choose the easy road. Sometimes this makes sense, and we should take the easy way. Shortcuts can be smart cuts. But a lot of times, uh, taking the easy road is the worst thing you can do in life. Sometimes taking the shortcut leads to absolute abject failure, and taking the hard road leads to success. And on this, Jesus would concur. Not only would he concur, but Jesus would double down. Jesus might even say that Rory Vaden does not even know the half of it. The stairs do not lead to success, Jesus says. And the escalator does not lead to failure. Nor according to Jesus, the hard road leads to eternal glory. And the easy road leads to hell. Uh, he says this in his well-known Sermon on the Mount. We're in the final stretch of our many months-long study on the Sermon of the Mount here at Rooftop in a series called Religion Redefined. As you hopefully know by now, uh, the Sermon on the Mount is Jesus' big manifesto in which he lays out uh, God's radical demands for his people. As we found, the sermon is not uh, for casual Christians, not for easy listening. It's for devoted people who want to leave the crowd and follow Jesus in radical ways. Now, if you've been following along in our study, you know that, that Matthew, who records the Sermon on the Mount, he kind of breaks it up in, into chunks. He starts out with the Beatitudes, for example, where he redefines what it truly means to be blessed. And then he moves on to a section, it's the longest section called that we'll call the True Law. During this section, Jesus sort of takes issue with how the Pharisees have been interpreting the Old Testament law. Then he moves on to another section, we'll call it true piety, what it really means to pray, what it really means to give, what it really means to fast. And then Jesus talks, there's a section here, and Jesus talks about money, possessions, and judgment. It's kind of a, a potpourri section in which Matthew includes just some of his favorite teachings of Jesus. And in the final section, the last section, we have something that I'm going to call decision time. In this final part of chapter 7, Jesus strings together four passages, four stories, four pictures that challenge us to do something with everything he's been teaching. And that's the final section of the sermon, what we're going to be starting on this morning. So with that introduction, let me go ahead and read to you the first passage in this section of the sermon, Decision Time. It's short. It comes from Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 through 14. Enter through the narrow gate, 
For wide is the gate, broad is the road that leads to destruction. Many enter through it. But small is the gate, narrow is the road that leads to life. Only if you find it. That's it. It's our passage for the morning. Easy enough, right? <laughs> In fact, it's so short, let's go ahead and read it again. Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate, broad is the road that leads to destruction. Many enter through it, but small is the gate. Narrow is the road that leads to life. Only a few find it. <clears throat> you might recognize Jesus' words here. Uh, this is a parable. So a parable is a, a story or even just a picture to describe spiritual realities. And this picture of two doors or two paths was one that ancient Jews would have understood. Throughout the Old Testament, the God of Israel admonishes his people to choose one of two paths. You can pick the righteous path or you can pick the evil path. As Moses tells the Israelites in the book of Deuteronomy, see, I'm setting before you today two paths, a blessing and a curse. The blessing if you obey the commands of the Lord your God that I'm giving you today. The curse if you disobey the commands of the Lord your God and turn away from the command, from the way I command you today by following other gods. Two paths, blessing and curse. Or as Jeremiah writes in his book, tell the people, this is what the Lord says. See, I'm setting before you two paths, way of life, way of death. So what Moses and Jeremiah and Jesus are saying is that when it comes to following God, everybody has a choice. There's a, a way to follow God, and there's a way not to. And we have to make the choice. It doesn't just happen. You have to choose. And our choices take us down paths that we have to live with. <clears throat> it's like those old choose-your-own-adventure books. If you're Gen Xer like me, you remember these books? Anybody remember choose? Yeah, that's right. Gen Xers unite. So at the end of each chapter in these choose-your-own-adventure books, you had to pick a path. If you choose to get in the hot air balloon, go to page 84. Read your fate. If you choose instead to get on the back of the dragon, go to page 92. Find out what happened to you. One leads to life, one to death. But you have to choose. That's what Jesus is getting at here in this passage. After hearing all of his teachings on the Sermon of the Mount, we have to choose to obey him. You, you can't just stay on page 39. The blessings of obedience don't just happen because we study the Sermon on the Mount. You have to open the door. You have to step on the path. You have to turn the page. You have to make a choice. It's decision time. <clears throat> but that's not the only point that Jesus is making. <clears throat> and Jesus is not just saying we need to make a choice. The real point that Jesus is making is that when it comes to making the choice, we have to choose the choice that we don't want to choose. We have to take the hard path. We need to take the stairs, not the escalator. That's what Jesus is drawing our attention to in this word picture. He's contrasting two ways that are different. Way one has a wide door, has a broad path, it has an accessible entrance. It's a popular choice. Most people take it. Way two, by contrast, is a small door. It has a, a narrow path. It's, it's a secret entrance that you've got you to you seek to find. It's a less popular choice. Only a few people find this. These two ways are different in all kinds of respects, but the biggest difference is where they take you to. 
If you take away number one, it leads to destruction. If you take away number two, it leads to life. Now, to be sure, you would not think this looking at the doors. The convenient door, the pretty door, the big wide door, the happy door, that's the door you want to go down with all the street lights and the sidewalks, the manicured lawns. But the narrow road, the one with the swing bridge, the rickety swing bridge over the deep grand chasm, that's the scary one you don't want to take. And Jesus says, oh, that's the one you need to. And so he says, enter through the narrow gate. Now, what's Jesus talking about? What exactly is the gate? Where does it lead? How's it narrow? How do we enter through it? How do we interpret this terrible, this parable? What does it mean in uh, real life? Well, we don't need to overthink this. The road Jesus is talking about is the one that leads to eternal life, both here on earth and in the new heavens and the new earth at Christ's return. We enter that gate. We take that road. We walk that path by following Jesus' radical demands. It's a narrow gate because Jesus' teachings are hard. The command to love your enemies, it's hard. The command to preserve your marriage and not get divorced is hard. The command to give our money and goods away to the poor is hard. The command to admit that we are sinners in need of forgiveness is hard. These are hard choices, not popular ones, but they are the way of discipleship and faith. At no point in his ministry does Jesus give us any reason to think that following him is going to be easy. In fact, Jesus' favorite metaphor to describe what it means to follow him is one of violent execution. Did you know this? Jesus' favorite metaphor to describe what it means to be a Christian is to wear a torture and execution device. You know what I'm talking about? Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Before the cross is the pretty little thing we hang around our necks, it was this. It was what they used to kill people. Narrow doors, crosses, this is how Jesus describes what it means to be a Christian. That's what he's saying. It's not easy. But he does say it's worth it. Small is the gate, narrow is the road that leads to life, Jesus says. Life that is abundant, life that is eternal, in which we become everything that God wants us to be. That's what we want, right? We want to become everything God wants us to be. That's why we're hopefully here this morning. We're here to become everything God wants us to be. I know some of you are here just because it's kind of what you do on Sunday morning. Some of you are here because, well, they got some good snacks and coffee. If that's the case, I mean, you can get your coffee lots of places. And the snacks, I mean, we'll get those from Sam's. <laughs> Hopefully you're here because you want to be everything that God wants you to be. We're here for life. We're here to get rid of the sin that so inflicts us. We're here hoping to inherit the bodies that do not break down or apart. We're hoping that we're here to have our mind cleansed from guilt and mental illness. We're, we're here to be restored to loved ones and be reunited with family. And that's God's assurance. That's what Jesus came to give us. He came to give us life. As he says in the Gospel of John, I have come so they may have life and life to the full. But it doesn't just get handed to us. We have to enter the door to receive it. We have to enter by his grace, by his power, by his mercy. This doesn't mean that you have to enter perfectly. 
You don't have to be perfect to enter heaven, but you have to be willing to obey Jesus in the radical ways he expects. And you have to be prepared to be forgiven when you fail. This is hard for us. Why? Because like Rory Vader points out, we like the easy way. In fact, we are programmed by sin to like the easy way. A few years ago, for example, uh, there was an ad campaign put out by an office supply store. Uh, It featured uh, commercials showing people facing difficult tasks, surgeons performing surgery, kids taking tests, office workers trying to use the copier, parents trying to get their kids ready for school. And instead of having to do any of these things, though, what do these people do? They press their easy button. And wham, the job is done. That was easy. Wow. As Staples, the company, they they position themselves as the easy solution to hard tasks. So going to Staples to solve your hard problems was as easy as pressing a large red button on your desk. Oh my gosh. That was easy. It's that easy going to Staples. Interestingly, the commercial became a cultural meme, and now you can buy... Easy buttons everywhere. I think you can even buy them at OfficeX. <laughs> Staples even made fun of themselves a little bit at the end of the campaign. On one of their later commercials, it featured a, a stressed-out mom who was in the grocery store with like a huge cart of groceries and kids hanging up all over her, and she was stressed, and she couldn't find her wallet, and she gets to the front of the checkout line, and uh, she doesn't know how she's going to pay, and the kids are driving her crazy, and, and the, the clerk is there just waiting for them to pay and leave, and she doesn't know what to do, so the mom, the mom just gets out her easy button and, and, and starts. That was easy. That was easy. That was easy. <laughs> and, and the clerk's like, what is supposed to be happening right now? <laughs> I still need you to pay for your groceries. And the mom is confused. I thought this was going to be easy. It's, it's funny, but the, the easy button taps into something deep inside of us. We're all looking for easy buttons. We're programmed to do so. In fact, it's in our biology. Over human history, we've needed to conserve energy in case we find ourselves without food or shelter. So at every opportunity, we're looking for easy solutions. It's in our brains. We look for shortcuts. Uh, we take the, the escalator because our brains know we might need the energy later to live another day. And this has served us well as a species. The problem is that, at least in our country, life has been too easy to the point of ridiculous. In so many ways, we've made life so convenient for ourselves that we miss out on the inherent benefits of struggle. We drive cars so we don't get the benefit from, like, natural exercise. We buy food so we don't get the benefit of toiling in the field. And we know that life is sometimes too easy, so we try to add some challenge into our lives by, you know, exercising or taking on hard projects. But even then, we fail. This picture sort of captures the situation. (laughs) We all know we need exercise, so we all want to go there. But when given the choice, instinctively, we'll take the escalator. We miss the easy opportunities all around us to add challenge and resistance to our lives. This human tendency, that human tendency, is what Jesus is pointing out. 
Even to his first century audience, he's confronting their tendency to take the easy road that so many people take. But again, he's not telling us to take the hard road because it will lead to success, like Rory Vaden says. We should take the hard road of following Jesus because it will lead to eternal life. There is no easy button to heaven. No, following Jesus requires pressing the hard button over and over and over and over again. I looked for a hard button on the internet to be able to illustrate this. Nobody makes it. Of course they don't. Why would they? Who would buy a hard button? This is the point. Following Jesus, though, requires pressing the non-existent hard button over and over and over and over and over again. Uh, Experts say that the average human being makes 35,000 decisions a day. 35,000 choices. A lot of those are like small ones. You know, should I have frosted mini wheats or, you know, apple Cheerios. But a lot of them are are deeply moral choices where we determine if we want to follow Jesus or not. Do I want to, let's say, waste the next five minutes of my life watching this really funny video? Or do I want to take that time and like, contemplate deeply who I am as a person and what I might be, need to be working on. What do I want to do? I want to watch the video or pray? Uh, that was easy. I think I'll watch the video. Do I want to respond to my coworker in sarcasm? Sarcasm is easy. That was easy. Or do I want to brainstorm something kind that I can say? Do I want to maybe be genuine? Uh, Do I want to go up to my kid's room and check on them, try to give them some encouragement, endure an awkward conversation, try to stay connected? Or do I want to stay downstairs watching the game? That was easy. Do I want to get up early and wrestle all my kids into the car? to get them to church so that my family can hear about Jesus? Or do I want to, you know, late Saturday night, we'll do church next week. Let's just let them sleep in. That was easy. Thousands of times a day we have the choice to take the stairs or the elevator. So many times we take the elevator, the escalator, we press the easy button, but in the long run, there's no life there. There's only death. This is Jesus' point. You ignore your kids day after day after day after day. You choose stupid videos over quiet time day after day after day after day. You choose sarcasm over compassion day after day after day after day, and you'll die. Your relationships will die. Your soul will die. You will die. But if you make it a daily habit of pressing the non-existent hard button, you will live, you will be given life, and you will live forever. When I think of someone who uh, made it a daily habit to press the hard button, I think of Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Um, <clears throat> Bonhoeffer is one of my theological heroes. You know this. Bonhoeffer um, is a writer. He's a theologian from Germany. And he has written two of the most influential books I've ever read, The Cost of Discipleship, which is a commentary on the Sermon on the Mount, in fact, and also another book, Life Together, which is just a wonderful book about community. But in a well-known passage from The Cost of Discipleship, uh, Dietrich comments on this very passage from the Sermon on the Mount. 
It's a long quote, but it's worth it, and it's far more articulate and memorable than anything I might blab at you this morning. The path of discipleship is narrow, and it is fatally easy to miss one's way and stray from the path, even after years of discipleship. And it is hard to find on either side of the narrow path, deep chasms yawn. To be called to a, a life of extraordinary quality, to live up to it, and yet to be unconscious of it, is indeed a narrow way. It's to confess and testify to the truth as it is in Jesus. And at the same time, to love the enemies of that truth, his enemies and ours, and to love them with the infinite love of Jesus Christ, is indeed a narrow way. To believe the promise of Jesus that his followers shall possess the earth and at the same time to face our enemies unarmed and defenseless. Preferring to incur justice, injustice rather than to do wrong ourselves is indeed a narrow way. To see the weakness and wrong in others and at the same time refrain from judging them. To deliver the gospel message without casting pearls before swine is indeed a narrow way. The way is narrow. The way is hard. That's teacher's point. Even after being on the path for many, 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 many years, the way is hard. On either side, beyond huge chasms into which we can fall at any point, the narrow path is hard. But it's worth taking because of what lies at the end. but it's still a path we've got to choose to take. Bonhoeffer knew this more than most. Maybe you know <clears throat> that uh, Dietrich was a German citizen during the Nazis' rush to power in the 1930s. Like so many people, Dietrich was furiously trying to get him and his family out of Germany uh, before the borders closed, and he was called into military service. Bonhoeffer was a theologian. He was a pastor. He was involved with an underground seminary and a religious resistance movement known as the Confessing Church. But Germany was a dangerous place back then, and he wanted to keep him and his family safe. So Dietrich secured an invitation from Union Theological Seminary in New York to become a visiting professor for a year. And the official invitation came just in time. And the German government accepted the invitation as an excuse for Dietrich and his family to leave the country and avoid military service. Within a week of leaving, though, Bonhoeffer said he felt something that was hard to describe. He felt regret. He felt as though he had taken the easy path. He had abandoned his fellow Germans to the whims of a violent dictator. He had left behind his underground seminary filled with Christian brothers and sisters. He knew that going back to Germany was a dangerous path, maybe even a march to death, but after much prayer, he decided to return. So he did. He sought the narrow door. He took it. Returning to Germany, he led his seminary and brought solace to the true followers of Jesus who lived in the shadows resisting the Fuhrer's rule. Eventually, he was found. He was caught. He was sentenced to suffer in a concentration camp. He died by hanging for sedition just a few days before the camp was liberated by the Americans. But did Dietrich Bonhoeffer really die? Or did he really live? Where did his narrow path take him, really? It led to life. 
This is what we're called to. We're not necessarily called to hop on a steamer and cross back into Germany. Our hard buttons are different. We're called to avoid sin. We're called to stand up for Jesus. We're called to love our enemies. We're called to build healthy families and marriages. We're called to sacrifice our time and money to build up the church. That's our narrow road. How do we rock that road, though? It's so hard, right? Chasms on both sides. It's so hard. How do you walk that road? Well, Bonhoeffer talks about this, too, in another passage. Let me share it with you. The way is unutterably hard. And at every moment, we are in danger of straying from it. If we regard this way as one we follow in obedience to an external command, if we are afraid of ourselves all the time, it is indeed an impossible way. Not just a hard way, an impossible way. But... If we behold Jesus Christ going on before us, step by step, we shall not go astray. But if we worry about the dangers that beset us, if we gaze at the road instead of him who goes before us, we are already straying from the path. For he himself is the way, the narrow way, the straight gate. He and he alone is our journey's end. What's he getting at? Saying the way is hard, the way is impossible. But if, if you focus on the impossibility of the way, you're going to fall off. If you, if you focus on the thickness of the jungle, you're going to get lost. If you focus on the steepness of the mountain, you're going to fall off. But if you focus on the guide in front of you, that's the only way through. If you focus on the man who is himself the way, that's how you get through. That's how you stay on the narrow path. You focus on Jesus. Jesus says that he himself is the path. What does it say in the Gospel of John? I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. That's how we take the stairs. We follow Jesus. We get up every morning and we follow Jesus. We study Jesus' life. We think about Jesus' example. We pray for Jesus' guidance. We seek Jesus' forgiveness. That's the hard button. Someone please buy me a button that says Jesus. That's the hard button. We press it over and over and over again. And at the end of what could be a very long journey, we will surely wake up to find ourselves as the man or woman we have always dreamed of becoming, made perfect in Christ. But it doesn't just happen. You have to decide. You have to decide to take the stairs. Uh, maybe this is a journey that you're not on yet. Maybe you've been listening to Jesus teaching in the Sermon on the Mount for a few months. You find it compelling, if challenging. Well, as we approach the end of this sermon series, this is your decision time. Listening to sermons doesn't lead to life. Thinking about Jesus doesn't keep you out of hell. You've got to choose. And when it comes down to it, I know you've got a lot of selections in front of you, but when it comes down to it, you've got two choices. You've got the escalator or the stairs. The easy path that so many people take or the hard one that Jesus is calling you forward to. Or maybe you're already on the escalator. Maybe you're well on your way. It's like one of those really long escalators, you know, at a stadium. And you, you're like, is it, it's too late. I'm, I'm, I'm heading up or down, as it were. But you need to know that as long as you're alive, you can get off. You can get off the escalator. Like in the movies, turn around and you're like forcing people out. I gotta, I gotta get off, I gotta get off. Or just like hop on the middle of the median and slide down. Woo, I'm getting off. As long as you're alive, you can get off. It's not too late to get off the way that leads to destruction and get on the stairs that lead to life. We can help you do that. 
That's what we do here at Rooftop. We help people take the stairs. Come talk to us afterwards. Let us know on your info card that you want to take the stairs. We'll help you out.